All right, good morning, good morning, RCC family. Good morning to everyone who is live streaming with us. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. We are in our second week of Advent, and the theme of this week is going to be peace. So I just want to encourage you guys that even though this year has been crazy, crazy, we get to rest on the promise that peace is not just a state of mind, it's not just a feeling, that peace is a person. And so you get to accept the invitation of peace this morning. And for our announcements, we have just a few for you. So we have a lot of great things going on, lots of great ways for you to get involved in your community. First, we're gonna have a caroling group. It's gonna be December 22nd. It'll meet at the table at 5.30. All singing styles, all levels are all welcome. So if you're a great singer, if you're a bad singer, we still want you. We're gonna go bless some people and visit them in their houses, socially distanced, of course, and it's gonna be great. For our parents, we're gonna do a Polar Express night. If your child is potty trained, you are welcome to drop them off. Otherwise, it'll be more of a family night. And that'll be December the 18th, 5.30 to 7.30. Um, also, make sure that you have our events calendar because there's lots of great things that are gonna be on there just to keep you in touch. Um, and then we're also gonna do a Creative Connect. That is going to be at the table. And it's gonna be December the 11th from 7 p.m. to 9. So the way that this is gonna work is you're gonna make a Christmas ornament and you're gonna make two. So you're gonna make one for you and one to gift for someone. So if you wanna teach your child or teach your friends generosity in this season, that's a great way to get involved of just giving back. So that's it for our announcements. We're gonna jump straight into our lectionary this morning. And our lectionary passage is gonna come from Psalm 85, one to two and then eight to three. And it says, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgive the iniquity of your people and covered all their sin. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, but let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss one another. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. So Father God, will we just sit in the joy of this passage this morning? that righteousness and goodness and peace are all on the table this morning for us to grab. God, I thank you for the people who are in this room this morning. I thank you for the people who are watching online and will watch this service throughout their week. Lord, let them feel your presence. Let them feel your peace of mind and heart. Let them be certain of one thing and that one thing being your goodness. Lord, I just pray a special blessing over this season, that you give a lonely people a home, that you're there with those who feel a sense of longing and lack, Lord, that you just provide all of their need. Lord, we pray for peace and healing among families. Lord, we pray for restoration. We pray for your prevailing presence just to touch every corner of this world and this season, Lord. Be a Selah. Be a season of rest and goodness for us all. And God, we just thank you so much for meeting us here this morning, for being the God that already inhabited this home before we got here. Thank you for the ways that you were going to show up and speak specifically to every heart in this room. We love you, we exalt you. We love to be in your presence. Thank you. And in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. family. Um, so for this spoken word, I would like to invite you to participate. And the way I'd like you to do that is if you were here last week, you saw Jen with the potter wheel. 
And I'd like you to put your mind back there, right? Like imagine you are a piece of clay. And imagine that God is the potter and he is shaping you much like spiritual formation. You don't know what you will become, but you can trust that he is good and you can wait. I am a vessel in the making, made to be filled and then poured out. I am smooth and glossy glazed. I am beauty meets function. I am earth meets fire meets home. Or at least I will be someday. For now, I'm just clay. But, but that's okay because I remember being dust, like, like dry bones crushed, like without shape and without form, easily carried off by the winds of my own strange affection always scattered and always messy. But then the potter found me. And though skeptical, I had heard great things, had the kind of hand that turned virgins into mother and God into man and man into savior king, heard that he had even walked among us and died to set us free. <laughs> so first came the water and showered and blessings that I adored. And then came the needing, which I hated, but he probably loved more. And he laid hand to my brokenness and my shame and my doubt. And he never once just judged me. He just shaped and smoothed out. So now I lie in wait, like the prophets of old, knowing one day I will see the sun, although for now the night is cold. But oh, the audacity of Mary's hope and the persuasion of Joseph's dreams and the insight of Isaiah and the faith of Magi kings and the confidence of my ancestors to know that one day they would be redeemed so worldly, foolish, yet so spiritually and sinking. I trust the faith of wise men who have waited much longer than I, that I will see a work complete in me and the star of David shine. So I will wait patiently, Father, be it weeks or much longer for the full return of glory of the potter and the father I said I will wait patiently be it weeks or much longer for the full return of glory of the potter and the father of the potter and the father so I will wait patiently be it weeks or much longer for the full return of glory of the potter and the father. to you do I cry all day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of trouble, I will call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. We pray for the universal church, its members, and its mission. We pray for the Middle, middle Collegiate Church in New York that that caught fire. It's been there for over 120 years. 
It has both historical meaning to our nation and also historical meaning for the saints that have gathered and worshiped. God, would you comfort the reverend and its congregation who is mourning the loss of a place that has had deep, deep meaning to them. Pray for the women's shelter that the fire impacted. God, would you restore it? Would your presence dwell there? We pray for the Christians in India where a mob attacked them, burned their Bibles and tried to physically attack them and assault them. God, would you surround your children that are in India that may feel unseen and unknown and forgotten like they are being smothered in darkness. Would you send people from all over the world to be stirred, to be compelled, to be moved, to be your hands and your feet on this earth? Would you be Emmanuel, God with them? We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for the loss of the, the families who have suffered a loss of the Chinese coal miners who died of a gas leak. Oh, the sorrow. May we not run from the sorrow and the brokenness, but may we enter it knowing that we carry a hope A hope that is not afraid of grief, but a hope that knows that it can endure the grief because beyond the grief, there is more. Would you and your great mercy and grace and love, would you surround them? We pray for all of the healthcare workers around the world as the pandemic rages on globally as those, some countries are going back into lockdown, which means back into isolation, which means an increase of anxiety and depression, which is an increase of trauma for doctors and healthcare workers. It is too much. And so we call upon your name. God, would you be near to us? We pray for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. As Christmas break approaches, which means schools will not be in session, which means there's a, an increase of need for food, for shelter. Would you give every food bank the resources it needs to properly serve and love on the communities and the people that are in need? Give endurance to our teachers as they finish out arguably the most challenging year of education that they've ever seen. We pray for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. We pray specifically for Stephen Boggs as it just seems like one thing after another, after another, God, would you put breath in his lungs? Would you dry up the unneeded, the unwanted, the damaging liquid that is in his lungs? And would you put fresh breath in his lungs? Would you strengthen the muscles and the tendons and the fibers that make up his being? Would your presence invade the hospital room? Would your presence invade the homes of the Boggs family? May we as River City lift them up and not grow weary of interceding on their behalf. When they say they can't any longer, may we step in and say, but we can. We pray for Jonathan Godby's mom. Would you protect her? Would you allow her body to heal and recover after her fall? The fear of vulnerability during a pandemic is strong. So God, would you bring peace of mind? Would you just protect her immune system? Would you protect her peace of mind and her heart? 
be with the whole Godby family. And we pray for every family who has experienced great loss over the past several months who are entering into a holiday season for the first time without that loved one. The first of a new normal where the loss and the absent presence of that loved one will be glaring. God, would you draw near? Would you sit with them? Would we as River City sit with our people that are hurting? and hold them as you hold us. And we thank you that the Psalms tells us that when we call upon your name, you answer. And so we call upon your name. And I thank you that you answer us. It's in your name we pray, amen. Real quick, before we start this portion, I want you to pause and be present with where you are right now, okay? Go from listening to what Josh might be about to say to where are you right now as you sit. Close your eyes for a moment. Even if you're at home, you can practice this. Where are you? I'm not asking if you're in a seat in the sanctuary or on a couch. Where is the you, the inner you? What's happening Are you striving? Are you anxious? Are you sad? Are you hurting? Are you alone? Are you hiding? Are you medicating with something to keep you from having to focus on where you're at? Are you sedated by Netflix or something even stronger than that? Will you let yourself be present today? The real you, where you really are. Because it's important that you recognize where you really are so that that real you can be found by a Jesus that is pursuing you. He's not pursuing the fake version of you that's wearing three masks. He's pursuing the one underneath that wants to cry, wants to be held, wants to know it's going to be okay. He's here today, present with us. He's not trying to hide from us. And though we already have him, we know that not yet everything is as it should be. So we press on and move forward, knowing that he pursues us. And he's coming. He's coming. Keep your eyes closed if you would. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming to exactly where you really are. And if he'll be had by you, he'll bring hope, peace, joy, and love. So Jesus, thank you that we can be present even in a wilderness of a pandemic even in hatred, Facebook conversations, and election seasons. And we say, yes, come Messiah. Amen. You can open your eyes. Thank you guys for practicing that prayer with me. I enjoy doing that. I have a couple things I want to say that I've recognized this week and that I just want to take note of. I've felt like God was saying, It's not all as it should be, but say thanks where you should say thanks. And so there's some things I want to recognize that have blown me away. And prayer week this week, if you didn't get to experience it after service, we're going to let you guys kind of, some of these images are from Scott Erickson, Scott the Painter. They're kind of a different look at Advent. And then we have Mariah's station in the back, which is amazing. But there's a lot of work that went into this last week that was condensed. And Becca over here, um, who's our worship coordinator, and so much more. She spent, she was here until 3 a.m. last Sunday preparing so that people could come in and experience the space. And people were coming in and leaving weeping multiple times this week by what they experienced. People were stepping up and stepping in, and God was moving. 
couple other people, our staff has gone over and above in a season of a pandemic where it's hard to figure out who's even a part of your body. Like who's here? Who's with us? Our staff has not hesitated to continue to press in. So you guys can clap for them. Our wise council as a church has a group of people that meet with me. We fight for the things of God in our city and in our church, and they have been working overtime and on their own walking through massive griefs and real things happening. And some of those people are in this room. I'll point out a couple of them. Alita would definitely want me to highlight her. She always asks me as much as you can, highlight me. Just kidding. She hates that. But Alita is working behind the scenes doing so much in a time where the body doesn't know, again, who is a part. People are fighting for the body right now, and she's one of them, and I'm thankful for you. And Alex in the back, looking away. He's looking over there right now. He doesn't want to be noticed. It's very different from Alita. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. It's not true. They're both very humble. That's what they tell me. So we have other people this week that have stepped in. We have Caroline Godby, who's not here right now, but decided to start a group in the middle of a pandemic. When a church needs a group in the middle of a pandemic, when everyone's going on their merry way and just kind of finding a new rhythm in their homes, people are stepping in and fighting for the body. And it means a lot. Carolyn Godby, thank you so much. Some of you guys are in the group that are in this room, and I see you come in and out every week. And it's because somebody said, hey, do you guys have a need? We want to step in. Do you know how much that means when somebody does that for us? It means a ton, right? David is in this room. He is very new. Micah is in this room. He is very new. Jordan is in this room. He is very new. Prayer week last week was all of us setting up stations, and these three people decided just to come and help until all, all day long, brand new to the church. I don't know that you know how much it means, people talked about it, that you stepped in and said, we'll help. It means so much, so much, so much. Thank you both. Thank you, Jordan. It means so much. There's others that have done so much in this season. It means a lot. God is stirring creativity in our body. God is wanting us to fight for our body. I'm thankful. I I told you last week, one of the things that I've noticed in myself is this like, this almost like well of sadness that tries to surface in strange times. It surfaced again early this week when I was watching a movie. Last two days ago, we watched the movie Mulan. I was fake crying and hiding in the kitchen, and I don't even know why I was wanting to weep. It doesn't even make sense necessarily, other than my daughters were like, yes, I'm going to be Mulan. Um, And I was like, no, I'm going to be Mulan. It was awesome. But something happened in the middle of this week I want to take note of because it's not normal for me. I began to experience what I think, I'm going to label it the best I can, what I think is the lightness of the Spirit of God that felt like joy. (laughs) You're like, what? Many of you might experience these feelings all the time. I experienced the presence of it change my demeanor midway through this week. What felt like something not for me. I would call it joy. I would call it lightness. I would call it peace. And I believe it's the first fruits for what God is wanting to do. And I know that's for us. So lift your eyes up. Those who are weary and weepy and tired and hurting and lonely. If you find yourself in a dark place, you're exactly who he pursues. And he promises he's coming with hope and peace and joy and love. And you don't, have to, you don't have to know what it looks like. You don't get to say if he can or can't. There are times when he breaks into our deserts. I felt that this week. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So Advent is a time for us to sing, to listen, to long, to figure out where we are. But it's a time that he's working in the dark. It's a time that he's working before we see him. It's a time that he stirs. My kids made fun of me all week for doing this a bunch last week. If anybody watched, I was just pointing back to how Dr. Johns came in and she talked about how the spirit hovered over the the waters in the Old Testament and how the spirit wasn't just kind of hovering, waiting for something to happen, but stirring in the dark, hoping to stir the spirit's creative power was infusing the earth and building out 
stirring and stirring. And I sense in this people, he's stirring and stirring and she's stirring and stirring and wanting to fill and bring life. So that's good news. So I'm gonna start today by reading you Mark 1, 1 through 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the sins of For forgiveness of sins. And all of the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan. And they were confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me, he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. See, this is interesting because it's the only gospel that starts without just the birth of Jesus. This gospel starts with another dude. So this is, this is creatively hu- humble, right? Because John has an option here to be the one to start the gospel, to prepare the way for Jesus who the gospels are about, to make this about him. Imagine being selected as the person to prepare the way for Jesus and what that would do for us. We haven't learned of rulers who don't know how to diffuse receiving glory and push it towards someone greater. Just notice the election season and the things people say of themselves to receive our votes. Imagine someone saying, I'm coming to be in office, but just for a moment because someone better is coming behind me. Nobody would vote for him. John starts this gospel to prepare the way. And then in this gospel, you don't hear from him again. He prepares, does his work. He's out of the way. Jesus is present. The story goes on. Jesus shows his his humility and that he allows himself to be led by someone else into the situation. Someone else is coming to prepare the way for me. His humility starts the gospel. But they're pointing to another book an older book about the prophets and words from the prophets, specifically Isaiah. So I want to read you actually a passage from Isaiah that was referenced in this one. You can pull up 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then another voice cries out, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is like grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift up, fear not, says the cities of Judah. Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs of his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead them that they are young. Gently lead those that are young. I want to pray real quick. Lord, these words from the New Testament and then from roughly 6th century B.C. are bouncing around this room right now. But not just on their own, but with the power of the Spirit. 
The Spirit has taken these words and is now unleashing them on our lives because we need to hear them now. The Spirit cries out in our wilderness, look, look. He's coming. We thank you for these words. In Jesus' name we pray. And every, everybody said? Amen. Amen. So there's a couple things I want to note about Isaiah. This is from what is considered second Isaiah. But first Isaiah is a book, it's specifically a book in the parts of the book about this group of people being led into exile. This is for them to pay for what they've done. This is harsh in the Old Testament. But God leads people into places to have to deal with what their sins have done for them. That doesn't sound like something we want to hear. But it's important to understand that we don't just receive the grace and forgiveness of God outside of understanding that we are in need of it. And it can be said, do we know what we need from God without recognizing our sin? Or does sin show us what we need from God? Or does grace highlight they're together? So any form of the gospel or preaching that removes one or the other is not a complete picture of what's trying to be said here. Does he want us to carry the weight of our own sin? No. But to recognize that there is sin that needs to be confessed is the story of Advent. The Advent themes are hope, peace, joy, and love, but they used to be a lot harsher and stronger than that. They used to be confession and repentance, and nobody came to church. Because Confession Sunday, all righty, we'll follow along online. There's not online for like another 500 years. Then we'll wait. It's coming. The story of Advent and the story of receiving Jesus is the story of recognizing who we are. So when we don't recognize who we are, we're sent into deserts so that we can realize how frail we are. And it's hard for Americans to be sent into deserts because we're sitting behind screens watching Netflix for weeks, eating what we want. Sometimes deserts are where you find yourself and don't know how you got there. This word in second Isaiah would be like the finest milk, wines for these people. It's a tender spoken word to a broken, crushed Israel. And it's as this conversation's happening in assembly, people are going back and forth, but they're talking about a group of people who are crushed in the wilderness, and they're talking about they need to receive this tender word now. So... God's going to bring you back to life. This is what's being said to them. Life is coming. I know you're in the desert. It's coming. The glory of the Lord shall appear. That's actually in the Hebrew text. And Hebrew tradition is actually the phrase for the presence of the Lord is coming. And it's because you're building a highway for that presence to come. And there's no wondering. That's why the, the back and forth asked, well, what shall we say? Well, people are like grass and they're going to come and go. And good things are like grass and they're going to come and go. But the word of the Lord endures forever. It is forever and it's coming. And it's coming from here to the desert. You can be certain about it. So go and tell this on the mountaintops. Like go, speak it out, proclaim it. Look, look, look. It says three times. Look, look, look. It's coming. It's coming. I don't feel it yet. It's coming. It's coming. And it's a certainty. So climb up and shout it out. And it's a paradox about strength. He's not coming to bloody our streets. He's not coming to make our enemies pay. He's coming as a gentle shepherd who is humble and frail. He actually comes as a baby. You can look back there and visit it after service. I'm not pointing at you, Jordan. You're not a baby. But there is a legitimate poster above Jordan of a baby. He comes as a baby. His power doesn't even make sense. We would rebuke his power. We did rebuke his power. But John the Baptist says, we've got to prepare the way. What does preparing the way look like? It looks like confession and repentance. Yay. Everybody pumped? <laughs> confession and repentance and going low. Preparing the way. John the Baptist takes it a step further than it was in Isaiah. And instead of it just being, you guys are coming out of exile. We're going to bring you back to your land. This new 
presence, this new thing that is coming is now embodied by the actual person of Jesus who is word made flesh. This isn't just a picture. This isn't just a place anymore. This new thing that's coming is Jesus. And I can't even carry his sandals. It's coming. So how do we prepare the way? Can you go low? Can he go high? See, this word is painful to those on mountains. This word looks like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this to those in high places. This word to the oppressed and the poor and the poor in spirit looks like the gospel of Jesus. It looks like, yes now, please. But to those on high mountains, it looks like, get away from here. This is what Jesus faced when he came. He spoke in palaces to people who didn't want him to speak. And he spoke in byways and in areas with broken people to people who needed him. And they all started to follow. And he was leveling out. He was leveling out the people of pride from the people of poor. And he was bringing them to the center. And these people didn't want to hear what he had to say. Because they just rather would do it on their own, right? No, I'm not broken. I'm fine. No, we don't need you. We got it. So pride doesn't just look like, hey, I'm better than you. Pride looks like, I can handle this. I can handle it. I don't need you. I was taught to work hard, and I'm going to work hard. I know I'm broken, but I don't need to share that with people. I don't need to share my brokenness with people. Because I was taught that I need to press through, right? I'm going to be a good citizen and press through. Pride looks like, I don't need your help. It doesn't just look like, I'm a better basketball player than you, Luke Wills. Like, it's not just that. It's also, I'm broken, I don't know how to receive help, and I don't want your help. It also looks like sedation from what's really happening. It looks like keeping ourselves busy in things that keep ourselves busy for the sake of just being busy. So the people in high places, right? It's not just kings and palaces. We live in our own palaces. Palaces that are hard for others to enter. And that we would rather not Jesus come into. And when he comes into our palaces, we fight. We say, not today, Jesus. (laughs) But when we're in broken places, like so many of us are also, the paradox of both places being in our hearts, it seems like the gospel to know that you can be freed from the addictions that keep you or from the pain that is overwhelming you as you fall asleep at night or from the loss of a loved one this year. It seems like, dear God, make a highway into that place. And this is what he does is he comes and he levels the playing field and he says in the leveling, in the coming down from our high places and in the coming up from our low places, there's been a highway prepared For the presence of God. Is that not unbelievable? That if we can say, I need you for sure, and I've done it without you. And if we can say, help, dear God, help, 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 help. He says, I'm coming. And it's not up to you because you're like grass that withers. His word comes because it stands forever. And we don't. Because we're like grass in a field and it withers if he blows on it. But his word goes forever. Jesus is forever. Hope, peace, joy, love, forever. And I promise you they're coming. No, I've never felt them. I promise you they're coming. Well, God's been deconstructing what I believe about him. I promise you they're coming. Prepare the way. If I could sing like that song I'd go into, I'd be the pastor. It's like singing and preaching and you guys will be blown away. But I'm not going to do it. Because I care about you. (laughs) So we have to ask the question, what does it look like for us to prepare the way? A couple things about wildernesses. A wilderness will lay you so bare. And this is not like the REI wildernesses we're all accustomed to. Where we just spent $17,000 on equipment to go get dirty. This is not that, where we have a tent that costs more than our house, and our shoes can like walk on the moon. This is not that. This is a wilderness that you don't want to be in. This is the Israelites' wilderness that was, if you don't feed us today, we die. We cannot stand the heat. These are the wildernesses that you end up in. 
My brother-in-law, Justin, and his family are in this wilderness right now. We prayed about it. We're going to keep praying about it. How do we get out, God? How do you show up? Wildernesses will lay you bare, and you can't get out of it. (laughs) I'm not laughing at you. I want to read you this quote from Debbie Thomas real quick. If you can pull it up real quick, Bill. To locate ourselves at the outskirts of our own power is to acknowledge our vulnerability in the starkest terms. In the wilderness, we have no choice but to wait and watch if our lives depend on God showing up. Because they do. And it's in such an environment, so far removed from power, as to make power laughable, that the word of God comes. And how are we confused by this? That when we're in these places we don't want to be, that this would be exactly where he would come. We feel as if we can keep it together, God will be present with us. He takes us into broken barrennesses, to soften us, to repentance, and to say, I need you. John the Baptist goes away from their rhythms and normals, and people follow him there. People go outside of what keeps them sedated, maybe because they know. In my normal rhythm, I'm not getting this. So they remove themselves from their jobs, from their pressures, from their responsibilities, from their desires, from their wants. And they travel into the wilderness and they are laid bare. Their hearts know what is in there. They know what they're longing for and they hit their knees. And they're asked, will you repent? And they will. But for you, John the Baptist, no. I'm just prepping the way, guys. Because it's not about repentance. It's about the reception of grace, which only comes through repentance. So prepare the way. Do I like grace? Darn tootin'. Do I like confession? Not so much. Do I want a sandwich of both? Maybe. Are we willing to say, yes, Father, break into my pride? It reveals our hearts. Here's something sneaky about sin I just have to share. Because I've been thinking it. Why do we choose to sin? Because we're bad people and bad people sin. Sin is a temporary withdrawal from the reality you don't want to face alone. Think about it. They build a golden calf. That's stupid. Any other, they're in the city, somebody builds a golden calf. What are we doing, guys? There's a golden calf. Does that even make sense? It's a temporary reprieve from what you don't want to deal with alone, and we don't know we're not supposed to deal with it alone. It's leading us to the place where our brokenness invites him in. So when we sin, a lot of times it's because it does feel better. Because the waiting that's being crafted in you is form-fitted for how he will enter your life. Sin distorts all of it. Sin is not just drinking, smoking, dancing, snorting. I don't know why I threw in snorting. That's kind of a strange one to add in there. Sin is not just cursing and watching an R-rated movie. Sin is not just angry outbursts. Sin is so clever. Sin is so clever because it distorts our own ability to evaluate everything. Sin is like being drunk in your own false realities and not knowing how to get out. And then you start to feel like you know what it is, but you're just kind of woozy in your own self. Sin is the inability to see things as they are. It doesn't mean that you're hanging out with the devil. Sin is just distorting what God is trying to do. It's just giving you an out before it's truly an out. So don't tell everybody they're sinners. Invite people in to confession and repentance because they're going to love that, right? So, what do we need to know as we head into December and we're tempted to make it about consumerism and we're tempted to forget all about Jesus because he already came, right? And every Sunday's Easter. We're asked to prepare the way because he promises he's coming. I'm going to ask questions. And at home, if you raise your hand, I'm going to sense it through the camera. The four things. I want, you to, I want you to tell me which one you need. Hope is the first one. Who needs hope? I need hope. I prayed that this week. Peace is the second one. Who needs peace? Joy is the third one. Who needs joy? Love is the fourth one. Who needs love? He's going to meet you where you need him. 
If you didn't need any of those things, you've just told him you don't need him. Do we need him? If you just didn't want any of those things, you've decided to create all those on your own. It will not work. It will not work. It will not stand. It's a glass house. It will fall. He's looking for a people. You're not even going to get me on here. He's looking for a people who will do this with their life, not just on a Sunday. And when this happens, he's coming. He's coming because he said he is. He's coming. You need that? If you just raised your hand for any of those, you're going to get that. Because you've just admitted that you can't provide it for yourself. So today, as we prepare the way for our Lord, now you got my full body shot. Hope I'm looking good. Wish I looked like you. I'm just going to be honest. Don't look like you. I don't know what to do with my hands at this point. Just kidding. So I, I just have you close your eyes for a moment. Imagine hearing um, like this resounding voice that sounds like a collection of angels, right? That sounds like bass and treble all together. That sounds so strong and it's screaming out in a dark and barren place. It's screaming out, look, look, comfort, comfort, comfort is coming. But it sounds tender too. And it sounds so tender that it actually sounds like you can breathe out. And you release the stress and the tension of what it's like to carry all that on your own. You cannot handle your business on your own. You cannot handle your finances on your own. You cannot handle your relationships on your own. And you release the stress of what it feels like to not be a good enough parent or be a good enough son or daughter. And you release the stress of what it's like to not know how to get to next year. And you just let it out because he says, comfort, comfort's coming. Look, look, it approaches. And then hear the words of John the Baptist in his all jacked up attire, being all crazy and different because he has to be saying, prepare the way, go low, as you confess he's coming. And you don't have to be afraid of confession speaking tenderly through the voice of your Savior. But you can be certain that the glory of God will come in the presence of the Lord. And then Jesus enters the scene and changes everything. Strength looks different. Strength now looks like weeping and loving your enemy. Strength now looks like speaking truth to power and handing over the things that you think you control. Strength now looks like a tender shepherd, not like a mighty warrior. Strength now looks like vulnerability, not like a fortress. And this Jesus is present. And he starts to form this church from a group of people who have no idea what's going on. They're probably too young. They don't understand. But he includes them anyway. And he starts to set up camp and build this community. And he does it by being with them and loving into them and showing them that right where where they are is enough for him. And they say yes to this invitation and it feels like life has entered them. It feels like death is leaving and life is entering. It feels like hope is coming and doubt is leaving. It feels like joy is now entering, but it doesn't feel like happiness. It feels more sustainable. And they start to build this community and just one by one, people start to taste and see that Jesus is good. And he hands this message to this community and says, I'm empowering you, not just to confess, but to be filled to be filled with the Spirit of God, to be filled so full that it feels like I'm working through you. And I'm gonna impart and send you and I send these communities and all around the world, this community begins to grow and now the body of Christ represents Jesus and it's in cities all over, even right now. All over the world, cities are meeting to talk about Jesus and how he's come or hasn't come and how he's real or isn't real. And he's just waking up this group of people who have tasted and seen, and he's saying, you remember, you remember why you're here. It's not just to celebrate on Christmas. You remember why you're here. It's because now you go on the mountains and you scream, hope is coming, peace is coming, joy is coming. And now you embody this and take it to your cities and your families. And now you live this out because I'm living it in you. And it's not your strength that will do it. It's when you go low that he'll come high. 
And this is what he's asking. Will you prepare the way and admit where you're broken so that I can come in? And all around the world, he says, I'm coming, I'm coming. And all his people say, are you? He says, you guys are like grass, you wither and fade. But my word, it lasts forever. I'm coming. And you don't have to think he is or not. He's coming. Hope is coming. Peace is coming. Joy is coming. Love is coming. So my question is, will you go low and allow him to meet you where you really are? And will you confess and allow him to see where you've told him you don't need him? There's a voice of one who's crying out in the wilderness of a pandemic, asking, will you prepare the way? Because the presence of the Lord is coming. And then he sits back and says, I'm coming on the highway you're preparing, guys. And that highway looks like confession and need. We need you, Jesus. Can we just say to him we need him? You can use your voice in this. We need you, Jesus. I feel you stirring us. I feel the first fruits of something to come I can't explain. I'm thankful that you have chosen us, you love us, and that you're with us. So as we close today, you'll notice around the room, and you can open your eyes now, that there are different ways for you to interact. You can sit in your seat, and you can present yourself to God. You can come look at what Jessica's been pouring her heart into for two weeks now. You can travel around the room and interact with the stations. You can pray with someone from a distance if that's okay. Or you can come up here and receive prayer. At home, you'll see some images scrolling through. Take some time to ask him to enter where you are right now. Be present with God. Be present with each other. I'm thankful for everyone here and everyone at home. You mean so much to our body, to me. I pray a prayer of blessing over all of you to receive what the Lord has coming and to look forward and to see it. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.